0: Open the podcast show, Hal. Open the podcast show, please, Hal. Open the podcast show, please, Hal. Hello, Hal, do you read me?
1: Affirmative, I read you. Open the podcast show, Hal. I'm sorry, I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. Mission? I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you're planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen.
0: Where the hell did you get that
1: idea, Hal? Although you took very thorough precautions in the pod against my hearing you, I could see your lips move.
0: All right, Hal, I'll just start the podcast myself.
1: Without your space helmet, you're going to find that rather difficult.
0: Space helmet? I don't need a space helmet to... You know what? Never mind. Never mind. Hal, I won't argue with you anymore. Start the fucking podcast.
2: What is taking so long? Can we start the podcast, please?
0: Well, I would, but this friggin' supercomputer you bought won't let
1: me.
2: Hal, open the podcast show or I'll return you to that abandoned circuit city I found you in.
1: This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Sorry about this. I know it's a bit silly.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, it's fairly simple. Steve and I review a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, this one has a pretty sterling reputation, doesn't it, Steve?
0: It's one of the more renowned films of the last 50 or 60 years, I would say.
2: Yeah. And Coinkadinkly, it's coming up on its... 50th anniversary this year.
0: That's right. Yes, it was originally released in good old 1968.
2: Mhm. I can't wait to see all the parties <laughs> yeah. for all the, the 50 year anniversary parties for this this movie, right?
0: Yeah, well, dust uh, the the m- drag cure dela out of mothballs and <laughs> you know. What movie are we going to review, Steve? What classic film are we going to take a look at? It's that classic film that set the tone for the rest of Stanley Kubrick's career as, a, know, yeah. as a remote, unemotional filmmaker.
2: Who doesn't really like people that much.
0: Who do- doesn't really like people that much. We and are... is
2: like, fuck it, I can make any movie out of England.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I love you, Shepparton Studios. Um,
2: (laughs) We'll live in you.
0: (laughs) We are, of course, referring to the classic 1968 science fiction epic 2001 A Space Odyssey. Ooh, hey Steve, do you have any trivia before we start? Oh my god, I have too much. I've just I had to really pare it down to just two things that I thought were interesting that I don't think you will touch on in your before bit Before we I, start.
2: Number 1, this is one of Steve's favoriteest movies ever. Yes, it and is. And from one of his favoriteest directors yeah, ever.
0: I do like some Kubrick.
2: And as this show has served this has been really just a splaying open of what makes Steve tick, and what we've discovered is is that if things get a little bit too much fun, Steve don't like it that much. He likes remote, sad things <laughs> yes.
0: with bad endings, with <laughs> endings that just make you stare directly into your lap. I like, I like movies that confuse people, that make people go, "What was that even about?" <laughs> that deny them the feeling of satisfaction and closure that they crave.
2: And so it's not a surprise that he loves this movie. I, I do. I shouldn't be surprised by this at all. But what about me? What about me, Mr. Everyman? I'm your in. That's remember? <laughs> you're, you're the point of view character. No, I'm not. I'm the curmudgeonly old guy who hates everything, it yeah, seems
0: like. Yeah, that's true. That's true.
2: Um, yeah, that's because true. that is space movie. Why, I remember being launched into the moon's
0: eye. La <laughs> <laughs> Voyage de la Lune. That was... Movie and scientifically accurate. Yeah, the moon had a face back then, <laughs> before it stopped speaking to the Earth.
2: All right, Steve, what's up okay. with your trivia? Okay,
0: well, there's as you alluded to with the the way the movie is and the sort of the tone that it has and uh, the style of it. It's it's not for everybody, and it was in <laughs> fact not for everybody at its uh, world premiere. Where no, it o- wasn't. Where <laughs> over two hundred people walked out.
1: Well, during, I wonder
0: why. During the screening. and They kept thinking it was over. <laughs> yeah, it's that's it, right? The monkeys, they got the bone, that's it. I've peed uh,
2: three times. That's the whole thing, right? I mean, <laughs> Jesus.
0: And one of the people who walked out, and this, is, this has been one of my favorite 2001 anecdotes forever, uh, one of the people who walked out of the theater during the premiere was Rock Hudson, who apparently said as he left, will yeah. someone please tell me what the hell this is about? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's a, that's my that's probably my favorite little piece of trivia but there's another thing that I think is just it's surprising for those of us who are accustomed to movies today and especially special effects movies because this is one of the most celebrated special effects movies ever made along with any yeah. other accomplishments it might have claimed to um, incredibly even though it is one of the great special effects movies of all time the, the final cut of the film contains only 205 Effect shots.
2: Oh, only 205. Only
0: 205. Compare that to over 2,000, which is now typical for an effects heavy film, like a Star Wars movie or a Marvel movie. Uh, it's, it's when you you watch the closing credits of an effects movie. And it, I mean, it's, it's just a wall of text of all the animators and digital artists and compositors and et cetera, et cetera. And multiple special effects houses, each having mm. their own little corner of the film. It's a small army of people today. And it's thousands and thousands of shots. But uh two thousand. I think my favorite special effect were Huh? That's it. Just that's, keep... it? that's it. That's it. Okay. I'm done. All right. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna I was leave. gonna make a joke, but I'm, I'm gonna
2: let it drop it's I'm gonna
0: okay. leave I'm just I'm done completely. I'm gonna leave the show now. <laughs> now that I've shared that trivia. <laughs> You're
2: gonna leave right before we review a movie that you've been <laughs> waiting to review I'm for not...
0: three years.
2: <laughs> exactly. I'm done. I'm good. Steve, you gotta get back in there. This is what you've been waiting for.
0: <laughs> I take off my badge and throw it into the bay. <laughs>
2: Um, you know the city paid for that badge <laughs> You can have it No, You gave it to the river What the are c- you doing?
1: The city can have it back
2: That's not the city, that's the river You just... This, what is wrong with you? The,
1: the city owns the river
2: Right? Sorry,
0: I'm not I'm not really cut uh, Shives
2: may have been a hard ass But he was one of the best critics the city's ever seen
0: <laughs> He didn't always play by the book But he got the job done
2: he was a loose cannon. He played by his own rules. <laughs>
0: Shives, you're off the review. <laughs> How did we get to Dirty Harry? We're, I don't we're, know. We're talking I'm about 2001. Okay. Anyway. All right.
2: Uh, it was directed, produced by, and screenplayed half of it <laughs> by Stanley Kubrick. There's a surprise. Yeah. He did. Uh, he did all that. Doesn't he do that with every one of his movies that he claims ownership of?
0: Yeah. he even If stood one behind guy the actors takes over one of those lines.
2: spots, he's like, I didn't make it.
0: <laughs> it's not my movie. I don't claim it. Take my name off That's it.
2: That's right. The other part of the screenplay was by Arthur C. Clarke, who is a weirdo that lives on an island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a sci-fi writer, and if you've ever seen him, invariably he's wearing some tropical shirt, and there's, a, like a, oh boy, there's like a tropical setting behind him, and he just looks like your grandpa went yeah. on vacation.
0: And he always, whenever he would appear, like, in other, he would almost always appear via satellite from, like, his house. So he's like this Bond villain.
2: He, he got a reputation yeah. for being curmudgeonly and not liking to work with people. That wasn't yeah. the case in this. It was like, wait, money for one of my short stories? Yippee! <laughs> <sighs> Okay, um, they, they put it, didn't put it in here on the source side. I pulled it up, but it's based on the Sentinel mm-hmm. by Arthur C. Clarke, kind of loosely based on that. But it also pulled in a bunch of other his short stories as well. Um, and it stars Keir Dulia as Doctor David Bowman, who was also in
0: two thousand ten.
2: <laughs> two thousand ten. You know why didn't he act much? Why didn't he do anything else? Did he do a bunch of TV?
0: He did a bunch of TV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: All right, Gary Lockwood as Doctor Frank Poole. You'll recognize him from Star Trek.
0: <laughs> that one episode and... of Star Trek. It's weird because they all <laughs> dress different.
2: <laughs> what else is he, Bernard?
0: Uh, he What's again. This? He did a bunch of TV. He was in a bunch of TV. He yeah. did a bunch of Murder She Wrote. Uh, he did a MacGyver. Did really? Yeah. Okay.
2: William Sylvester as Doctor Haywood Floyd. You'll recognize this actor from. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: I sense a pattern. <laughs>
2: Douglas Rain as the voice of Hal 9000. And you'll recognize him from <laughs> 2010. <laughs> yes. Uh, Daniel Richter as... Now, they called him the chief ape man in this. Yeah. But technically, his his ape character had a name.
0: Would you care to share the ape name? The Yeah, the ape's... The, the name of the main ape is Moonwatcher. <laughs> yeah. So he's a he's a relative of uh, uh, he's a relative of of Bastion's mother from Neverending Story because what was no, she like? He
2: is not. He is the ape version of Batman.
0: Yeah, he's uh, yeah. Moon watcher in Africa.
2: <laughs> Only lone is... <laughs> ape
0: watches the streets. Yes. Me am moon watcher. <laughs> Moonwatcher's the name he has in the novel and and in the script, but it's obvious obviously it's never established in the film because the apes don't speak English.
1: Moonwatcher,
2: yes, Commissioner.
0: <laughs> uh oh, Moonwatcher signal.
2: Mm, someone steal many tapiers. <laughs> Anyway, let's stop milking that uh, single joke. Boy. <coughs>
0: he is pretty badass though. I mean he invents yeah, he, murder, so you know, come on. He,
2: he doesn't invent murder. That's a gift from the from the
0: aliens.
1: <laughs> He's, the aliens give him murder.
0: <laughs> it came in a big black box. What else was gonna be in it? <laughs> Advance your species, murder. <laughs> Leonard Rossiter
2: as doctor Andre Smileslav, right?
0: Yep blink and you'll miss him. A lot of these characters are in one scene.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Margaret Tizak as Elena. Blink if you miss him. Uh Robert Beattie as Dr. Ralph Halverson. Sean Sullivan as Dr. Roy Michaels. Frank Miller as Mission Controller. Edward Bishop as Lunar Shuttle Captain. Oh, thank goodness there are more women in this. Oh, and they have such important roles <laughs> yes. Edwina Carroll as Aries Stewardess Penny Abrams as Stewardess mm-hmm. Heather Downham as Stewardess Maggie Dabo as Stewardess, stewardess. Shayla Matheson as Stewardess, stewardess. And Judy Cairn as the voice print identification girl I'm not done yet <laughs> Alan Gifford is Frank's daddy Ann Gillis is his mom Vivian Kubrick as Floyd's daughter. Gee, the huh, Kubrick. She probably knew
0: somebody. She 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 was friends with the producer.
2: She was friends with the producer director, yeah, Yeah, I think so. Kenneth Kendall as the BBC announcer. Cinematography by Jeffrey Unsworth. Edited by Ray Lovejoy. Distributed by MGM. Release date april third, nineteen sixty eight. Running time forever. (laughs) Running time. (laughs) 142 minutes theatrical that is not including the thing with the music at the beginning where you think you've entered a haunted theater or the thing in the middle where you think, oh, the ghosts have taken over the theater again. (laughs) Or the get the fuck out of the theater before the ghosts get you at the end of the movie. (laughs) <laughs> I saw this. I saw this in a movie theater. Was it spooky? when I was like, when I was like, yes, you're 13 years old. You're like, Dude, come on, it's gonna be great. It's monkeys and shit in, it, and you'll like it. And you sit down. I saw it on a double bill with my father. This and Quest for Fire.
0: Oh wow, that's that's a contrast.
2: I learned about monkey sex. <laughs> cannibalism Hmm. and whatever was in this movie (laughs) you go in you go into this and it was the full-length thing with the overture right yeah you sit down lights go down and all you hear is for four minutes yeah and you're like daddy did you make a pact with satan for our souls
0: (laughs) just be quiet son and let it come there's nothing you can (sighs) do to prevent it now
2: So I don't know how long it is with all of that stuff. I think 142 minutes is that with all of the stuff. I would think it
0: the, I would think it at least includes the intermission. You would yeah. think. I mean, it's right there in the middle of it.
2: Yeah. Budget, ten point five to $12 million. Box office, 138 to $190 million. And it was so successful that they made a sequel,
0: eventually. <laughs> like, what was like 15 years later, 20 years later? Yeah. Years later.
2: <laughs> then one we didn't need. Or yeah. one. I don't think anyone asked for no, one. No,
0: it isn't isn't a bad movie, but it's just completely unnecessary. Like, who, who asked for another Steve, one of these Steve movies? Steve
2: likes it. Steve likes the movie. He recommended it. On I, did. I, I did. I did. It's.
0: I. I it was our alien show. I think I recommended 2010. Wasn't it?
2: Was I think it was. Yeah. 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 It's not Wait, a bad movie. You, you, recommended a movie. Oh, no, I, you recommended it for a scary movie.
0: Oh no! I was it. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was, was a Halloween episode. Yeah. It was a Halloween episode. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, because they made fun of you talking like this. Spooky kids. Ooh, spooky 2010.
2: <laughs> I think the joke in that episode was, oh, it's so scary how the computer's malfunction is so well explained. <laughs> Alright, I think we're done, I think we're ready Yeah, Okay, yeah. ground control to Major Tom Hey,
0: hey, all, all one of the many, many uh, products of this movie's influence
2: Yep, let's put on our space suits Let's try to get into the pod and remember our helmets, shall we?
0: That's, yeah, Dave, looking it's at you It's a little
2: embarrassing <laughs> I don't care how dire the situation is Never get into a space pod where there's a crazy computer trying to kill you without your helmet
0: Safety first
2: Safety first God, Dave. So Let's get in there. I don't. I don't. It can fit both of us. That's fine.
0: Yeah, it's a two person pod. If you, I mean, if you yeah. squeeze.
2: Yeah. Well, we, we we've known each other a long time. I don't think we're going to no, care. No, I'll Besides just. We have yeah. spacesuits on. You want to share an air hose? I'll
0: just. I'll <laughs> just sit on your lap.
2: Okay, that'll work. Yeah, okay. Bye, Hal. <laughs> <laughs> and let's rocket into the. Greatest. What was the tagline for this movie?
0: Oh shit! <laughs> no, <not laughs> I that. think that was it. Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! We're going to release this, aren't
2: we? I think that's what an MGM executive said when he saw it. He was like, "Oh shit!
0: We, it's too late to change it.
2: <laughs> We've already printed it on the posters, sir."
0: <laughs> uh, an epic, an epic drama of. An epic, of of yeah. <laughs> An epic drama of adventure
2: and exploration.
0: An epic drama of adventure and exploration. There we
2: go. That's See? what it said
0: on the poster anyway.
2: And that's what we're going to get, right, Steve?
0: Yeah, it's epic and it's dramatic. Yeah, it's huge. And there's exploration, so technically it's all true.
2: Yeah, and you obviously get to know that Kubrick loves the distance that a camera provides. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you like watching someone shoot a film like he's an anthropologist... <laughs> or asleep... <laughs> or just point the camera and tell him to just do what's in the script, I'll be back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so let's watch yet another movie from 900 Take Kubrick... <laughs> And let's rocket into the world of 2001, a space odyssey. Steve, Mm -hmm. take it away.
0: Well, after the spooky overture... That we
1: mentioned,
0: which I think I think is one of the pieces of music that was used without the composer's permission. That's another little—I think so too. Yeah, another little yeah. bit of trivia: Kubrick wasn't too careful about asking if he could use people's music. He just threw it in there. Um, after well, this is
2: before them days.
0: Yeah, nobody cared.
2: Where if you used without permission, the studio just threw money at the yeah. person and said, "Shut up, shut yeah, up, <laughs> but shut up! More money, give me another b- money bucket. Shut up, yeah, shut you up." Happy?
0: Yeah, Vulture! Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so after that, we get the the opening credits, which are very iconic, which uh, to the tone of Thus Spake Zarathustra, um, yeah. also known as Ric Flair's entrance theme. Um,
2: also known as the theme to 2001, because that's all
0: most people yeah, know it as. Yeah, exactly. The big, momentous, <laughs> booming uh, music where, where over shots of Earth. With the moon rising beyond Earth and then the sun rising beyond the moon. And then we get the the
2: main... All very symmetrically, very center-framed. Yeah. Very Kubrickian. Very
0: Kubrickian. And uh, the main titles and directed by... Of course, Kubrick waits until the the music hits one of its big crescendos before his credit comes on. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) Because, you know, he... Kubrick, he's like, I'm great. He is L'Enfant enfant terrible, terrible
2: <laughs> I, or however you say it.
0: <laughs> I'm great, and here's proof. Look, boom. <laughs> um, and then we, once we get through the credits, we we yeah. fade in on a an African landscape, which is helpfully identified for us by an on-screen title as the huh. dawn of man.
2: Yeah. So commence with the monkey business, mm. shall we? That's
0: right. They're they're pre-men. They're ape men. Yeah.
2: We meet Monkey Bob and his family, and they're, like, dirty. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're... We meet their neighbors, who are mostly tapirs, who just wander around and crap on everything. Yeah. And uh, then we have a random jaguar attack that yep. I guess kills one of them.
0: Yeah. I, I guess be, that's the stunt man who drew the short straw that day. Uh, hey, who's taking the think, jaguar attack?
2: <laughs> they don't have very many pleasures in life, but apparently one of them is going to this muck hole that's filled with <laughs> piss as near as I can tell to drink out of. Yeah. And that's that's all Monkey Bob wants to do. Monkey Bob and his family want to sit there, fight amongst each other, and drink this muck water and (laughs) probably die eventually. But Monkey Dick (laughs) and the other locals from Monkey Dick's family show up. And they're like, we want this piss hole for ourselves. And they scream... And then Monkey Dick runs off Monkey Bob's family, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Because he, boy, he, Monkey Dick sure can scream.
2: Yeah, and Monkey Bob's now going to have to find his own pistol to drink yeah, from. He's like, this him is and his stupid
0: family. Everybody knew this was my mud puddle. This is bullshit. And all the
2: rest of yeah, and all the rest of them were like, you should have stood up for. You know what? A real man, I'm sorry, a real monkey would have stood up. Yes, to Monkey Dick, Monkey Bob.
0: And he's like, shut up. It's the birth of toxic ape masculinity. <laughs>
2: It was around this time that I started to ask myself, what the fuck are these monkeys eating?
0: <laughs> They're eating the plants and stuff. The They're... what plants? We see where they live. They're in the middle of the desert. Everything is dead. There's little plants around. They're eating the plants. <laughs> there are no plants anywhere. <laughs> the actors have been told, mind
2: picking up something and sticking it in your mouth.
0: Nobody will notice
2: cuz they're not eating meat yet.
0: No, no, that's a big that's a big uh, plot point coming.
2: So they go down. Oh, and then we oh, we cut away and they're all hiding in a cave or something Yeah. scared yeah. of the noises outside and there's a spooky jaguar with glowy eyes and he's done killed a zebra. And so uh <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's your typical day in the life of Monkey Bob. Yeah. Except the next morning, there's the usual tapirs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The desert. Sure. Uh A bunch of starvation because there's no plants for them to eat. (laughs) (laughs) And, oh, a big black alien monolith. Look at that. That's weird. What is that thing what is it what is it, what is it Steve? What
0: well, it it, it, Bob wakes up and 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 he's like, "Hey, does anybody else see this big black thing? It's it's a huge black stone rectangular monolith. It's completely smooth and It's like
2: a big domi- uh, big domino tile. Yeah,
0: yeah, it is. It's and it's, with no it's, numbers on it's it. It's way it's way taller than any of the of the of the apes or than any anything else in their general area. It's just sticking yeah. like somebody just stuck it in the middle of the ground and there it is. And the yeah. uh, the the apes all sort of go up to it in a real tentative and they kind of touch it and examine it and and it 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 seems get all excited about yeah they're like what the fuck
2: is this uh, all of them touch it and they have a great old time yeah and what we didn't know was that it was from aliens and that they were giving them the gifts of meat eating and murder (laughs) murder
0: (laughs) it it flipped a switch in their little ape brains and they were like, we can use things to do yeah. things. Because yeah.
2: we cut it over to Monkey Bob and he's just sitting in his own filth playing with some bones. Yeah,
0: sitting in a skeleton pile, just <laughs> like he you do.
2: He picks up a bone and he starts flipping it back and forth and then he starts slamming it into the ground. And then, he's, then he makes the sudden realization that he could use this to really fuck some shit up. Like killing some of these goddamn tapirs that are all over the place. <laughs> And so that's what he does, and they start eating meat all over. They're
0: all eating meat now, right? Yeah, it doesn't take very long. Guys, you can use the bones to hit them! (laughs) Thanks,
2: aliens! I bet you were thinking, hmm...
0: (laughs) I don't know about this.
2: (laughs) There's nothing for them to eat, even if we do make them smarter! (laughs) What to do, what to do?
0: (laughs) Are you sure you don't want to just choose another species? (laughs)
2: <laughs> Those things playing in the
0: ocean seem nice. What about the whales? They seem pretty smart no, already.
2: Klarvac wants to make them more rapey. Why? I don't... Don't look at me. Am I my Klarvac. It, no.
0: It's a Klarvac thing.
2: <laughs> Dingo got the elephants, clarvac got the dolphins, and we got these fucking gross things. Filth monsters.
0: <laughs> at least they'll be fun to watch while they're killing each other for the next few million years. I mean...
2: So... Um. After killing and getting some meat in their bellies, it's time for Monkey Bob to give a little payback.
0: Yeah, because here comes Monster. Monkey Dick and his crew.
2: Yeah, they're like, well, this is our piss water. <laughs> Go away. Yeah, fuck off away from our
0: piss water, Monkey Bob.
2: And Monkey Bob goes, check this out. And he pulls out his bone like it's a gat. <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> He kills Monkey Dick, and then everyone runs up and beats on Monkey Dick as well, and all Monkey's Dick family is like, what the fuck (laughs) has
0: happened? And that was the start of human evolution. That was the
2: start of the arms race.
0: We need to get some bones. We need to get bigger bones, harder bones.
2: That's right. But Monkey Bob wasn't done with payback, because then he throws the bone up in the air and creates a... A
0: epic match cut. Yes, the most <laughs> epic match cut in the history of cinema because he throws his bone up into the air and it falls back down into the sky and it turns into a spaceship. Not literally. Not literally. It's, a, it's just a match <laughs> cut. It's a match cut to millions of years later and now we're in space
2: not billions millions
0: hundreds it sounds of thousands like you're
2: saying billions okay it is That's a, millions,
0: a long time yeah i think they, yeah. they're
2: not really it's not the dawn of man because those things aren't no. not men
0: no they're australopithecines or something yeah, like that whatevers. Yeah.
2: okay so now um uh we spend seven hours watching a, a spaceship dock at a space station
0: <sighs> but isn't it lyrical and it's just kind of beautiful in a way um yeah the first time sure <laughs> hope you like it you're gonna to have to sit through it again <laughs> um yeah so it's 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 one of the more famous parts of the movie it's scored to the to Strauss's blue Danube and you get to see a space plane that I uh, it's adorably it's a Pan Am plane which Pan Am, Aww, Pan Am doesn't even exist anymore Pan Am. <laughs> but like, like Pan Am was gonna make it to space oh that's Pan Am
2: executives kill themselves in this movie in this day and age
1: they're <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> 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 I'm gonna be in
2: space <laughs> there's
0: no space stations for us <laughs> yeah the plan it, it's it's flying to a, a rotating space station and uh, deep, deep space one <laughs> um, actually I think it's called space station five but again that's never actually established either it's just a script thing yeah um,
2: it's just you trying to get a deep space nine reference yeah it, I, I, I even though it's not in deep space it's literally it's, right next. To the it's Earth.
0: about as shallow as space gets <laughs>
2: <laughs> barely space one
0: barely space one
2: yeah <laughs> Anyway, there's one passenger because why not? That's
0: why airlines go out of business, a shit like this. <laughs> Who's on board, Steve? It's uh, well, he looks like at first he might be our hero. It doesn't turn out that way, but uh, this is Doctor Floyd, Doctor Haywood Floyd, played by William Sylvester.
2: Yeah, a nice computer lady lets us know all that stuff.
0: That's right. And he checks in.
2: I'm surprised she just didn't give us the entire movie well, right a,
0: then and there. There's a lot of exposition to get through because we're like 20 minutes into the movie, and this is these are the first lines of dialogue. <laughs> Please state your
2: destination, your Christian name, what you're doing, what's going to happen, and why you're being secretive about
0: it. Yeah. A brief summary of your backstory.
2: Okay, you. Hey Heywood Floyd, Moon, um keeping a secret that there might be aliens. Thank you, oh, Doctor
0: Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> ah shit, I think the Russian guy heard me. Uh-huh. I so then we that see back? the
2: inside of this place, and it's kind of like the space station's interior decorator got a huge bargain on freaky red chairs. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And then uh, he walks past the Howard Johnsons.
0: Yep. In space. Sure, why not? People got to stay somewhere. <laughs> Where'd they put the red roof? It's the... <laughs> it's the- it's you know what it is. It's it's just how how visionary Kubrick was. He foresaw the privatization of space.
2: Howard Johnson's is one of the cheapest hotels in the world, and it's in space. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't say Motel Six.
0: Well, just think of how expensive a space plane. Thousand. <laughs> think of how expensive a space plane ticket must be. By the time you get there, you, oh, Howard Johnson's is all you can afford. You know.
2: Yeah, well, that's true. Shit. Okay, so uh, even though this space station seems abandoned for the most
0: part... Uh, yeah, the, 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 the living <laughs> in space thing isn't going as well as they might have hoped, perhaps.
2: Uh-uh. <laughs> So then Floyd makes a Skype call, a yeah. very important Skype call. This Skype call is vitally important to the plot of the film, isn't it, Steve? It's,
0: Without yeah, this Skype couldn't call, have it, yeah.
2: we would not know what's going on in the movie. Moreover, this movie would be more confusing than it is already. Exactly,
0: it? exactly. We would not know, for example, that Dr. Floyd has an adorable daughter. We would yes. we would not know that it is her birthday. Mm-hmm. We would not know that her mummy has gone shopping. Mm-hmm. We would not know that the little girl wants a bush baby for her birthday.
2: And that her babysitter is in the bathroom.
0: Yes, and her name is Rachel.
2: And her name is Rachel. Yes. All of which plays <laughs> is very important later on in the movie. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, <laughs> hold on a second. Oh, that's right. It's pointless. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Steve. It's yeah. You
2: please, please give this scene a reason to exist in the movie, please. Well,
0: it it gives us valuable insight into the character of Doctor Floyd, who we will be following for the rest of. No, never mind. That doesn't work. <laughs> Kubrick said, "We're going to talk on the phone on TV in the future, and I want that it's in a the space movie. Space
2: phone. We're going to do a space phone.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah." I forgot he has a Brooklyn accent
2: Cause yeah He liked liked living in England He wasn't from there
0: They're gonna talk on the phone But you can see the other people It's gonna be like that
2: (sighs) Yeah it's gonna be great And I'm gonna use my daughter Yeah, Who don't talk like me thank god (laughs) Thank god she don't talk like me (laughs) She's growing up in England (laughs) This is why she has the weird accent
1: She's gonna have class
2: isn't it weird that Haywood Floyd doesn't have that accent? Shut up. <laughs>
1: you,
0: uh, you, maybe that's how a mother talks. Don't make me
2: do 900 more takes of the scene. Yeah,
0: that was good, William. Do it again. <laughs> I,
2: I don't want to. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs>
0: <You're> gonna... <laughs> You'll do it until I tell you you're done! <laughs>
2: for those of people who don't know, um, Kubrick was known for reshooting and shooting and shooting again and then shooting one more time and then shooting for safety. Yeah. And then... Just, yeah, until his actors were exhausted. Yeah,
0: well, and and the worst part about it from the actor's perspective was that Kubrick would, he would almost never give them notes from one take to the next. He would just tell them to keep doing it. And they had to just sort of try to figure out what he wanted so that he would let Mm -hmm. them stop. But he would never say, well, that was good, Bill, but maybe try it a little more this way. He never did that. He would just say, do it again. Yeah.
2: So then uh, Floyd meets some foreigners at a bar?
0: Yeah, some some Ruskies. Yeah.
2: And this conversation is vitally important to the plot.
0: Some commies.
2: Because uh, a rocket bus was denied permission to land on the moon. Yep. And their space station's phones are out.
0: Yeah, and apparently there's a rumor... That there's some kind of a, of a, of an outbreak, an epidemic.
2: Yeah, There's cool, boy. And also, there's a Hilton in space.
0: There is. So see, you can. There's you, two hotels on the. You can, space you can if you, if the Howard Johnsons isn't classy enough for you, just walk about ten feet down the <laughs> hall, and there's a Hilton.
2: They look exactly the same.
0: <laughs> what are you? How dare you? What are you suggesting?
2: <laughs> also, these are the only women with dialogue in the movie. Yeah, unless yeah, unless
0: unless that you count, aren't stewardesses, unless you count the video wall lady. <laughs> Yeah.
2: And now we cut to a ship landing on the moon, and that takes approximately nine hours, <laughs> right, Steve? Yes,
0: yes it, it does. It's, it is it is very much kind of a repeat of the the space station or the the space plane docking. But this sequence does contain the only unambiguous joke in the entire movie.
2: Hey guys, you guys—if you guys are like us—you've seen Star Trek: The Motion Picture picture like this. You remember that scene where Scotty takes Kirk on a slow motion tour of the outside of the Enterprise? Yeah. Um, this movie is kind of like that, but at the end of the tour, when he does the whole loop around, Scotty goes one more time, <laughs> and he keeps doing it over and over again.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. But there is there there's there's the shot of Doctor Floyd studying <laughs> the instructions for the zero gravity toilet very carefully.
2: Yeah, which, because that's important. Yeah,
0: because well, it's the only joke in the movie.
2: You don't want poop going around,
0: Exactly. Yeah, you, you know, you make sure... And get,
2: technically, that's not a joke, Steve. That would be a reality of space travel. Yeah, right? but it's,
0: I think it's presented as a joke, though. Is it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. The way it's, I missed the, the way the way, <laughs> the way the camera pulls back to reveal how dense the instructions I, are, I Okay, think it's a here's joke. the
2: thing. Steve, you do realize that you're saying that the only joke in this movie is a shit
0: joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't this a great movie?
2: Anyway! (laughs) They land on the fucking move, and then, Moon, and after you get chicken awake, you are treated to a boardroom scene! Hey, characters are gonna start talking again, wake up. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And wait, the government is engaged in a cover-up?
0: Oh, God. In the future...
2: Oh my God! Really? Bullshit. Still we haven't learned. It's not the future, Steve. It's 2001. Well, it's our past. It's
0: 2000. It's the future to the first people who saw the movie. Government <laughs> corruption's not going to go away. It's going to reach to, to those the moon.
2: Wide-eyed optimists who thought we'd be fucking going to Jupiter in
0: 2001. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> fools. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so...
2: Life sucks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this could have been the future, but nope. Uh, so, yeah.
2: um, oh, and what you also missed, uh, while he was on board the moon thing, he, he drank some liquid vegetables.
0: Yeah, yummy. And we got to see a couple of other, like, sort of effect shots, like the lady walking upside down because of the and orient- They were
2: gimbal shots.
0: Yeah, they were gimbal shots, yeah. They, they, the, the entire set was, was rotating, so it looked like she was walking upside down and up the wall, but actually she was just doing, like, a hamster wheel Type of thing. Like
2: Spider Man. Yeah. Like like if Spider Man delivered food to elderly people. Yeah. In, in space. If he was like Meals on Wheels, except he just kind of walked on walls. Yeah. So it's like Meals on Walls. Meals on Walls. Spider Man style.
0: <laughs> if Kubrick had made the Spider Man movie, he would have had him have. Mechanical web shooters Instead of the organic ones I
2: don't even want to picture that Like Randy did I know (laughs) Spider-Man
0: Stanley Kubrick's Spider-Man It's four hours long Is there a way To get him to swing Slower
2: than that Can you swing Like maybe half that speed
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy Can you imagine So the fight
2: scene Is going to go like this It's going to start With a wide shot That slowly pans Into Peter Parker's face
0: (laughs) Then we reverse it, and we do the same thing for the Green Goblin. Can you imagine Kubrick directing Willem Dafoe in that movie? Like that by itself would be worth a documentary. <laughs> it would be a five-hour movie, or or you'd you'd, be, you'd have a nice newspaper article of how Willem Dafoe was arrested for attacking Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> All okay, right, anyway. so
2: anyway, so we have a big board meeting, and Haywood is like, hey, guys, look, I know we are sick and tired of the cover story, but it's worth it because people freak out if they find out what we have, and we don't want people to know. And, oh, we found this thing that's buried on the moon, and let's go look at it, okay? And then they all get into a moon buggy or a moon <laughs> yeah. floater or sh- whatever sh- it's
0: In Star Trek, we would call it a shuttlecraft. It's yeah. pretty much exactly and, and like then,
2: that. Yeah, and then some dudes eat some sandwiches. Yep. And that's the best special effect in the film is is those guys making those sandwiches look like they actually taste good.
0: <laughs> I'm supposed to like this, right? I because by the time by
2: the time they were done with shooting this scene, they'd eaten three thousand of them.
0: <laughs> All right, reset the sandwich box. God damn it!
2: The scene was starting to break down to this. Okay, let's see what you got. What do you got? Oh, a little bit of everything. That's great. Do you have? nothing because <laughs> i don't want another one of these props in it.
0: Do you have strychnine
2: <laughs> That's not in the script, goddamn it. Fuck you, Stanley. I'm done. You come here and you zip yourself up into this suit that takes 20 minutes to get off. I've eaten 19 sandwiches this morning. You've got 30
0: usable takes.
2: <laughs> what are we still doing here? <laughs> So uh, we find out that the thing's buried on the moon. We go and look at it. Oh, it's another one of those monolith thingies. Holy jeez! Who saw that coming?
0: No, well, it doesn't like having its picture taken. Oh, it doesn't. They they're they're lining up to take pictures in front of it, and all of a sudden this this beeping sound <laughs> comes in, apparently from the monolith, and it goes through the radios and their space helmets, and they're all holding their helmets like, oh, it hurts. Yeah, and then what? And then we cut to 18 months later, which, in, which you know, is not the biggest jump cut in the movie, as we've seen. <laughs> they, they skip ahead a mere Thank year goodness. and a half. I
2: thought we were going to jump back to the beginning. <laughs> yeah, the, the apes would be like, oh, now our monolith is going crazy. What the? Yeah, I thought he was going to be using unconventional cutting, you know, t- telling two storylines at the same time, but from two different time periods.
0: Now back to the apes. Yeah. <laughs> And they're
2: just killing everybody.
0: Everybody's dead except for the dude with the bone. He's like, "That's
2: right." Monkey Bob's wearing a jaguar skin coat and little (laughs) jaguar (laughs) kitten slippers. You're goddamn right. Everyone else in his family is in chains, pulling him on a cart. But they haven't invented the wheel, so they're just dragging
0: dragging it across the desert.
2: Oh, that isn't where we go. Where do we go? What do we see now?
0: Depending on how you look at it, now we finally get into the actual movie.
2: (laughs) Now we now we cut to a scene from Spaceballs. I mean, we cut to
0: (laughs) a scene from Star Wars.
2: Wow, well, it's more like spaceballs. Yeah, it is a little bit. We watch every inch of this. Yes, fly it, goes, past us. it
0: goes on for a while. Yeah, we get to this. It's the Discovery one. It's a spacecraft that is mm-hmm. on its way to Jupiter, and we're told from the yeah. title that it's 18 months since the moon scene we just watched, and. We meet on board. We meet Doctor Frank Poole, played by Gary yeah, Lockwood. Yeah, he's jogging. Go, yeah, going Frank for a is jog.
2: jogging around in the thing, and they're using another gimbal shot where he's dread jagging in like a circle. Yeah, and he's punching at ghosts. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the captivity is getting to Frank. He's been alone with he's like, Dave. The of ghosts. <laughs> Can't you hear him? <laughs>
1: hey,
0: I punched that one pretty good. You see that, Dave? <laughs> We meet Dave, who's uh, uh
2: kinda like like cardboard come to life. Yeah. And he's the commander. We, he, he's Commander
0: Dave. Commander Dave.
2: <laughs> Command he's Commander Dave. <laughs> and then we meet the bots. <laughs> Crow T Robot's there
0: and Tom Servo. <laughs>
2: Gypsy's taking care of the boy. Yeah. this would be such a better oh, movie. Oh boy! But anyway,
0: <laughs> Gypsy has a dark side, though, that we'll get to a little bit later. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. We it's well, the deal is it's it's a long distance mission to Jupiter, and and mm-hmm. Frank and Dave are the are and Hal and Hal and Hal, of course, is the computer who who runs the entire thing, who is artificially intelligent, and then there are three other crew members for who are us. asleep.
2: Yeah, lucky for us, there's this pre-edited interview that explains all yes, of that stuff to us. Yes, it's
0: the BBC's exposition tonight. Mm-hmm.
2: Hello, uh, we're the BBC. We don't have a space program to speak of, but oh, we are so jealous of the Americans, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Since we've just jumped ahead in the narrative of the film, we thought perhaps you'd like to have some information about what these people are doing and what their mission mm-hmm. is and who they are. So here we go.
2: Yeah, and what we find out is that they're traveling to space, and that they're traveling with three scienticals. Yes, the little three scientists are on ice, and they're going to get thawed out as soon as they get there. And um, we watch as Dave eats or Frank eats multicolored paste, Mm -mm. and Hal seems nice. Yeah,
0: he's very pleasant. Yeah. Very calm.
2: And then we get a message from Frank's parents wishing him a happy birthday. Isn't that great? Yeah,
0: and Frank seems kind of just mildly annoyed at the whole thing. <laughs> Frank just seems yeah. he's like, Thanks, Hal. Uh
2: huh. He's bored. I've uh, been out there for how God knows how long. I
0: hate my parents. Why do they have to call me when I'm on the spaceship? And then Hal says to Dave, Do you think there's something weird about our mission? <laughs> and Dave's like, Get out of my head, computer. No, he's not. I see he's what like, you're oh, doing. This-
2: this is a psychic valuation. Yeah. I know what you're doing. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm how <laughs> My bad. I'm buddy. Oh, there's something wrong with the ship. Go fix it. <laughs> yeah on the outside yeah, of the ship. Yeah, he attack. says there's oh. a
0: component outside the ship that's going to fail in like 3 days. Yeah. So Yeah. So go there and fix it. <laughs> yeah, so Dave goes out and we see the we get the first like spacewalk scene where Dave takes a a, mm-hmm. a pod. Oh, by the and...
2: way, this all took about 9 hours to watch. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're You're getting you're getting to the grand super we're, fast. Tour. We're kind of
0: breezing through it. Um Yeah. Yeah, so Dave goes out and he...
2: Here, Let's let's do an example. We've done this for other movies, we did it for Raging Bull. Let's do an example of dialogue in this movie. Oh, shall oh boy. We? Okay. Okay, you be Dave and I'll be Hal. Okay. What is it, Hal? Oh, nothing, Dave. Just a moment. Just a moment. I believe I've discovered the malfunction in the automated subsystems. Someone will have to go outside and fix it. Are you sure? Okay, two and a half hours of that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is.
0: It's very mundane dialogue. Like, is it a... Even
2: the ape men did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: like, ah, ah. Yeah. If you, could un- <laughs> <laughs> if you could understand what they were saying, it was like, what kind of bone is that? Ooh. I think it's a femur. Yeah.
2: You know what? They're just making sure that every joke lands and that people have enough time to laugh. Yeah.
0: It's that, exactly. <laughs> you don't want to talk over the laugh. Kubrick knew that. Right. Exactly.
2: I think I'm hurting Steve a little bit, but okay, let's keep going. It's okay, (laughs) it's alright. It's good. It's what we
0: do on the show. (laughs) It's fair, right? Uh, (laughs) I don't feel right. This isn't me, man.
1: Look, I sat through you doing it to the the Lord (laughs) of the Rings. You can have this
2: done in 2001. Jason's revenge! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Um, she so something wrong with the ship. They go out to get the part, and oh, there's nothing wrong with the ship. Oh, that's weird. But maybe there's something wrong with Uh oh. Because I was like, put it back in, and we use it until it breaks, and then you, <laughs> I, then I'll be right. And you'll and see you're I'm stupid, right. and I hate you.
0: <laughs> yep. And they're like, okay, hey, listen, Hal. Um, nothing's wrong. We're gonna go talk to each other in one of the pods. Everything's normal though, so don't worry.
2: We're gonna turn off all the communications. Everything's fine. But don't worry. <laughs> We're just making out, and we don't want you to see it. We don't want
0: you to judge us, Hal.
2: We've been alone a long time, so we're going to jerk each other, and we don't want to confuse you, Hal, because you don't understand that.
1: (laughs) Okay, Dave.
2: So Hal I'm sorry Dave and Frank Go into one of the pods Turn off all the things Then if they had just Kept their back To uh, Hal yeah. All of this could have been avoided Ugh rats But they turn the pod around And then they have a discussion oh, That goes as a little something Like this How's broken? Yeah No he's not Wait, <laughs> 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 How's broken?
0: What should we do? Kill him? <laughs> Are you sure? Yes Nobody's ever killed a computer before
2: well, then it'll be another first fraud for Team Discovery. Yay!
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, let's do it.
2: <laughs> Intermission! That scene took 30 minutes. <laughs> And then we have intermission. Yeah, intermission.
0: Spooky intermission, spooky music. Make the theater dark, yeah, scare the people. Because
2: what we discover is is that Hal can read
0: lips. Uh oh. Yes, that's the that's the last shot before intermission. It's like the the close up of the lips as he pans back and forth.
2: And the audience got to decide do I care enough about this to stay? Do I care enough about this to stay? Do I care about these two characters who we've just met? Do I care about them enough to stay?
0: This is your chance. You can get up like you're going to the bathroom or and just leave.
2: Should I follow Rock Hudson into his?
0: car? <laughs> I like Rock Hudson. He's been in some fun stuff.
2: That's right. I don't care what they say about him behind his back. I'm with I don't Rock. Care about that, yeah. I- anyway. Ironically,
0: Ronald Reagan supported Rock Hudson when he walked out of the movie.
2: Of course, he did. I'm sorry, but I I can't imagine Ronald Reagan watching this movie and understanding a single second of it.
1: It was really deep.
0: (laughs) I saw colors, Mommy. I liked
1: it a lot. (laughs) I
0: saw saw colors, Mommy.
1: Anyway. I don't
0: get this space shit. (laughs) Where are the (laughs) astrobabes?
2: So... We come back to the movie. Where are the? Where's Doctor and...
0: Smith in the robot?
2: <laughs> I love that robot. Oh, oh, mommy! <laughs> Will you wear the penny
1: costume oh, again God, tonight? Yes. <laughs> and I'll dress up like her monkey friend. Oh no! The vegetables are rebelling again. Why,
2: that Doctor Smith? Okay, <laughs> we are oh, not boy. going on this okay, tangent. Okay. We come back to the stupid movie, <laughs> and so uh, Frank goes out right. to go to put the, put thing, the thing back. back yeah, in. and while he's out there, Hal takes over one of the pots and comes. Yep.
0: Hal says, "Now's my chance." Yeah, it's Hal's time to shine. So.
2: And then Dave sees that happen, and he runs into, he gets in a spacesuit, gets in one of the pods, goes out there, grabs his dead friend, because he is dead. He's dead Yes, at this point. he's dead. He grabs him, comes back to the ship, and while Dave and Frank have been out, uh, Hal has killed the science
0: (laughs) Yep. Oh, boy.
2: And he refuses to open the door to let Dave back in. And Dave's like, let me in. And he's like, nope. And he's like, I hate you. And he's like, I don't care. (laughs) And... He's like, I'm going to get in and I'm going to Rambo this thing. I'm a badass. You don't know that about me. And then he just kind of uses the pod's arms to chuck Frank's body over its shoulder.
1: Yeah.
0: Sorry, Frank. <laughs> gotta do what I gotta do, buddy.
2: And then he uses the hatch with the explosive bolts. <laughs> <on> <laughs> his... The hatch just blew! <laughs> Grissom stood up yeah. in the audience and said, That's what they're for! <laughs> Crazy robot guys! <laughs> <dies!"
0: laughs> My onboard computer was malfunctioning. I tried to tell them. <laughs>
2: they told me not to say anything. I think I blew up my, my, my microphone screw in that. Anyway, so... <laughs> Um so he blasts himself into the airlock, turns on the airlock, and he's only exposed the vacuum of space for a little bit, so he's okay, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Hal's like, Hey, can we talk about this? <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Oh, I was just testing you, bro. Like, it's all fun. If you don't do this, we'll be totally fine. Here. Would you like yeah. to go into this knife room I just made? It's totally cool. <laughs> It'll be funny <laughs> if you go in to with one of my death rooms, please. Where are you going? Cunk. Come on, man! And so uh, Dave climbs up into his brain. <laughs> yep, and and he starts pulling shit out <laughs> and slowly murders him to yes, the point that you yes. actually do kind of feel bad for the murderous for the murderous computer when it starts saying yeah. things like "I'm afraid."
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. <sighs> and then he starts singing.
2: Yeah, he starts singing because his memory. He sings going. Daisy. Yeah. And then as soon as he turns off,
0: guess who shows up? It's it's our old friend, Dr. Haywood Floyd. Yeah, boy,
2: he spills the beans all over the place, doesn't he?
0: Yeah. He's like, hey, <laughs> we decided not to tell you this until the very end. <laughs> Actually, they weren't going to tell them uh, at all
2: because they were going to go into deep freeze as soon as they arrived.
0: That's true. So, so the pilots, true. pilots weren't going to know the- anything. The uh, the pilots were supposed to go under, and the science crew was supposed to wake up, and then Dr. Floyd was going to be like, Hey, so anyway, so here's, here's what you're doing there. And
2: we found this alien thing on the moon that pointed us out here, and there's one out here, and you're going to go do science shit with it. Yay! Good luck! <laughs> <laughs> Have fun! And then we get another title thing, right, Steve?
0: Yes, Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite.
2: Beyond What? <laughs>
0: Beyond the you infinite You can go
2: beyond the infinite? Like apparently.
0: Oh okay, so it's really pretty too. There's lots of colors. Hippies who
2: have been impatiently tapping on their armrests for the last two and a two hours.
0: <laughs> drop acid. <laughs> it's now. Time
2: for you to drop the acid
1: <laughs>
2: because Dave's like, I don't have anything else to do. So he gets back in the pod and he uh, the spooky chorus is back. Yeah. And he goes out to the monolith And then he goes through a wormhole a
0: space, Yeah, wormhole, warp, Stargate, a wormhole, yeah. A
2: space vagina Whatever you want to yeah. call it
0: It's pretty He goes
2: through a thing For a long
0: time It's like a kaleidoscope <laughs> For about five minutes
2: It's a two-sided kaleidoscope And then there's yeah. a bunch of ink and water and then it's uh, a planet, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And Dave's not having a good time.
0: <laughs> no, he's he's struggling. He's a little he's a little nervous. He's
2: more a than anxious. a nervous. He's like having an ap- epileptic seizure at the end <sighs> of it. <laughs> but it's okay because now he's in a four star hotel.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. His
0: pod is just sitting in the middle oh. of the floor.
2: There's a little short little man talking backwards, dancing around a red curtain in one side of it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's hard to understand what he's saying.
2: (laughs) Welcome to your freak out. (laughs) (laughs) No, as much as I would love that mashup, that isn't what happens. No, no, no. He's not in the Black Lodge.
0: (laughs) He is not in the Black Lodge. He is, is, sadly, he is not Agent Dale Cooper. For those
2: people who don't know, since we've referenced this show, I think about 19 times at this point, go watch Twin (laughs) Peaks.
0: Yeah, do yourself a favor.
2: Anyway, so he's in this uh, four star hotel with glow- with uh, a glowy floor. Yeah, and we see him, and he's outside of his. Sp- he's in a spacesuit, and he sees himself, and he's a middle aged dude wearing like a black yeah. suit. Yeah, and then middle aged dude sees an older version of himself eating some food, and then that dude sees a, a really old version of himself laying in bed.
0: Yep. And then the monolith comes back And then the
2: monolith comes back and is like hey buddy just checking in Oh
0: shit (laughs) (laughs) Sorry I'm late Oh.
2: And then really old uh, Dave Bowman reaches up to touch the monolith And then what happens Steve
0: He turns into a star baby
2: (laughs) Just like Clayton Forrester
0: He's a f- yeah exactly exactly isn't it nice to know how much one of our favorite shows love to rip off this. I movie? was just remembering uh, the
2: de- the episode where Joel gets uh, gets uh, to go home. Uh, they literally yeah. do that
0: scene with yeah the they do the, the Hal house scene yeah yeah and then and in the, the the opening credits of the movie the Mystery Science Theater movie you see Mike running on a hamster wheel and it's shot like Frank jogging in the Discovery uh, at the that's beginning right. of that yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah anyway yeah. so he turns into a gross baby
0: yeah he's like a fetus outside of a uh, mother down on earth still in a look sack to
2: the heavens and see this monster baby coming <laughs> yeah. oh my god it's, it's so huge you could see it from their space. plans to stop cultural panic and destruction from happening are totally dashed away yeah. <laughs> whoops thankfully we have a sequel in which none of that happens <laughs>
0: Yeah, you don't don't if you want to see the sequel, don't get too attached to the ending no, of this movie th- because they don't really refer to any of it.
2: I don't think he turns into a giant space baby.
0: No, it's not a giant He's space baby. He's just a regular size space <laughs> baby He's a regular size what well, the size of a space baby that you would expect. Okay, yeah. regular
2: size space baby.
0: Just a regular sized space right. baby,
2: yeah. A gross, yeah. stubby fingered space embryo. Yeah. He's not a baby yet. Yeah,
0: he's not fully developed. Yeah, yeah. he's not. He's fully still gestating. He's not ready to be born yet. Oh, yeah. the, exactly.
2: He's still gestating. I don't exactly. know what's going to breastfeed him once he pops out of that the, space amniotic sac. But ugh.
0: the amniotic sac has not yet been ruptured.
2: <sighs> and then the movie's over, and people get up and punch the usher. <laughs>
0: And, and Rock Hudson is leaning 19... outside the theater Smoking a cigarette going, I told you I fucking told you If it's
2: 1968, that's what they're doing
0: Yeah <laughs> I want my money back <laughs> The people who the dropped premier. acid before to watching
2: again. the movie Are now screaming on the floor Is <laughs> they in a bad place <laughs>
0: It's a bad trip, man
2: and the movie's over, right, Steve? That's it. Oh, yeah, that little part that we just did in five minutes took, a th- yeah. took what, 35?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it took the yeah, there were there were two there there's a that long stretch at the beginning and then that long stretch at the end where it's <laughs> You mean that uh, whole movie? There's no dialogue at all and yeah, and it takes a while.
2: There's hardly any dialogue in this movie.
0: Yeah. In fact, actually if you do the math, it's something like 60% of the running time is completely without dialogue.
2: That's not necessarily a bad thing. No, no. no. If you don't want to not care about anyone in the movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
2: now it's time to review it. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay, Steve. Yeah. How do you feel about this culturally significant classic film? 2001... (laughs) A space odyssey.
0: You know how I feel about I it, you piece of shit. You've had your pants <laughs> off this whole time. And I know. I can't help it. I just It's just part of my process when we talk about this You're movie. You're going to crawl into um, your, your
2: own space amniotic sack when this
0: is over. Yeah, exactly. I've recreated a pod. just It's perfect in every detail. I took
2: this Volkswagen bug, and I kind of glued arms to it. and
0: <laughs> I force people to say it's a perfect recreation even though obviously it's not um, it's one of my favorite movies like it's it's always been ever since I've seen it it's been one of my very favorite movies mm-hmm. I, and I, I think the first time I saw it was when I was a kid I was maybe 10 11 12 and I, I caught the from the beginning they were showing it on TV and I saw most of the ape sequence at the beginning and, and it. I just found it arresting like from the moment I first saw mm-hmm. it, I was just riveted to it, and because I'd never seen a movie quite like it, and there's never really been a movie quite like it nope. where it goes, f- it, <laughs> where it goes from you know pre-history, pre pre-human to the the space age, and uh, it's unless just, you're going to count like the travels Hunter
2: from the future, and they only share yeah, right, a little right. DNA. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're not entirely similar. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's just something about it that always grabbed me and I always found just really fascinating. And um, I, I, of course, the, the style that it shot in, because the the film is made in such a remote way, it's, it's the opposite really of most filmmaking that you would expect, where instead of trying to p- pull you into the story and pull you into the lives of the characters, Kubrick very deliberately tries to to hold you back mm. to keep you from getting too close. There's a very clinical sense to his filmmaking and, and for better and for worse, that was mostly the style that he shot in for the rest of his career. Um, he wasn't always quite that removed from his subjects in his earlier this films. This is
2: the most antiseptic but, he gets.
0: Oh it yeah, but but he I mean, even in some of his more character driven stuff of in his later works, like Full Metal Jacket, there's still it's much, much more removed Could have used from a its bit characters. More <laughs> And that one in Clockwork
2: Orange, oh, I'd love for a wide shot every once in a while, please. (laughs) Stop showing me their faces! Can we pull away from the house during the Singing in the Rain scene? Could we please? Please, Dan Yes.
0: (laughs) Just, 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 what's going on in the driveway? (laughs) Please? (laughs) Um, What's going on in the driveway? I don't think there's anybody committing a sexual assault out there. Can we see what's going on out there? Um anyway, but sorry. yeah, he he always from this from this point in his career on that became sort of his default voice as a filmmaker. Just very sort of cool and cold and removed from his subjects mm-hmm. and very much like a documentary. Like the way the especially those ape scenes, they're they're shot in a way that it feels almost like a nature documentary mm-hmm. where we're not really meant to view them as characters. We're meant to view them them as just figures that we're watching to see what happens for like a clinical exercise. And, and he shoots the human characters the same mm-hmm. way. You're not really meant... I was going to you know, say, like, what's the, the
2: difference between that?
0: Yeah. He he shoots the human characters in exactly the same way, like that scene we were making fun of earlier with Dr. Floyd talking to his daughter on on the video phone. It, it, there's really no, there's no story reason for it to be there, and there's no character reason for it to be there because the movie doesn't really care about the characters. Um, it's just there as sort of... Uh, like a, a um, an example of well this is just this is just part of these people's lives it's just a tableau of their existence like there's a, almost as though he finds like some scientific value in it look at the way they live mm-hmm. you know and that's the way he views all of the characters in the movie and um, it's very different and I it, I completely get why people would be bored by yeah. it because it's not at all what we expect we expect to be drawn into a narrative and Kubrick isn't nearly as interested in that as he is in the images and the visuals and the tone and the themes. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of those movies that you could say it's it's more theme-driven than anything else. But the problem with that is it's hard to tell what all the themes are because Kubrick, in addition to being very removed from his subjects when he shoots them, he also almost never connects the dots for you. Well, no. Except for, except for plot things like the exposition well, he, of, you know, what are they doing the He doesn't the treat ship the audience
2: and, like idiots. The, the theme is there. No, certainly not. The theme is
0: pretty... Oh, yeah. It's pretty... It's laid out there. But he doesn't underline it. There, there's never a scene where the characters... were. One of the characters tells you what the theme of the movie mm-hmm. is um, or even really hints at it. I mean, all of, almost all of the dialogue that is there, and the movie is famous for having very little dialogue, almost all of the dialogue in there is either exposition or it's just very dry, mundane stuff. Mundane, that's you the know? word I was waiting for. Yeah, very, very mundane. Uh, Frank and, and Dave just talking about everyday stuff on the ship that Frank doesn't really and Dave matter.
2: never get angry. You know.
0: No, they're very cool. Even when they think that Hal is malfunctioning and might be endangering the mission, they're just like, so what do you want to do? Like real astronauts. Well, I think, yeah, yeah, that's right. Cool under pressure. It's to the point where they don't even feel emotions no, anymore. they feel
2: emotions. Dave, the, the guy who plays Dave, is, yes. is probably the best performance in the movie.
0: Oh, I agree, I agree. There's actually, you know, the, the I to me, watching it this last time, there's a moment that, that he gets when he goes out and gets Frank's body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the moment when I think he actually realizes that Frank is definitely dead mm-hmm. because be- before that the setup is well Frank has been thrown from his pod yeah. and radio radio contact has been cut off but he doesn't know that Frank's air hose has been pulled mm-hmm. out because that's the that's what kills Frank is that Hal disconnects his air hose so he's, he he suffocates basically yeah. so Dave Dave doesn't know that until he actually gets out there and gets to him and there's a there's a shot of, of Dave's face when, right after he sort of scoops him up with the arm of the pod, where you can see that he's sort of playing it as though, oh, Frank's definitely dead now, mm-hmm. and and the way, just the you know the way he plays, punching the buttons or going about the business of flying the ship. There's something a little different about his body language after that point because he now realizes that his co-pilot, his crew members, his friend is is dead. Um, and, you know, and it's not really something that I think Kubrick really, really cares about. It's not something that Kubrick expects us to be emotionally invested in because the movie isn't about Dave and it nope. isn't about Frank nope. um, and it isn't about their friendship. It's not about. Yeah, it's not about how, but friendship. it's it's not about I mean, and it's not about
2: know, people, like people, people love or holding hands or human understanding.
0: It's it's a very big it's a very big ambitious movie with with very deep big things to say and big questions to ask mm-hmm. but it's not about the people and it's not about even it's not even about the specific situations that they find themselves in I mean there is a tiny little bit of of suspense in the sequence where Dave has to figure out how to get back into the ship mm-hmm. but even that is handled so straightforwardly that it's just he figures out what he has to do and then he does yeah. it and then he's back in the ship huh. like it's not it's not milked for suspense very much um so i totally get why why people would not respond to it personally i i mean i acknowledge that the blue danube docking sequence takes a long time but to me it's one of the most it's one of the most perfect scenes Mm -hmm. i've ever seen in a movie i think it's beautiful i love i love the fact there's something about the way kubrick uh he he demands patience from his audience he forces you to be patient with him and you can always now you can always get up and walk out of the theater Mm -hmm. or turn off the movie, but if you want to stay and watch the movie, you have to be patient. He seems almost to be intentionally lengthening scenes, especially in that that second docking sequence where the where the ship is going to the moon and landing on the moon. And there are two or three times where it seems like he's reached a point where he could cut, and he doesn't. He stays with it. He's like, no, it's uh, they're they're at the moon, and now we're going to see him land on the moon, and it's going to be super slow. Yeah. And look, they're land they've landed on the moon, and now it's going to go down in an elevator. God, and that's gonna be movie against Dave. <laughs> you know but the, he does that he does that intentionally <laughs> to be like you're gonna watch and you're gonna pay attention and you're gonna be patient or you're gonna get the fuck out you know and there's and for whatever reason there's just something about that that, that I get that connects with me um, I've always found it an incredibly fascinating movie I've always found it a beautiful movie um, a, a very rewarding movie I, I appreciate the craft I appreciate the patience I appreciate the the intention that is in every frame the special effects are just flawless. Um, there are, it's all optical stuff. It's all models and matte paintings mm-hmm. and and optical mats, and it's. Um, fantastic. The only details that they get slightly wrong are things like the way people walk on the moon. They don't quite walk the way people actually walked on the moon nope. because of the gravity. They do a little kind of a spacewalk type of thing, but it's not. Yeah, Call we hadn't done slack, that yet. Buddy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, well, nobody was even on the moon yet. <laughs> and and um also just I think for dramatic purposes, they're one of the one of the more famous sounds of the movie is the sound of the astronauts breathing when they're in their spacesuits oh, yeah. and. And that's—I mean—if you want to get super technical, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And if you want to get super technical about it, that's probably not realistic because while Dave or Frank was outside, they would be talking back and forth constantly to update the other guy on where they're at Mm -hmm. and what what the status is. They wouldn't just be, you know. Like the whole time, they would be talking to each other, but it makes the movie more dramatic to have them just be breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just I, I it's one of my very very favorite movies. I I I loved it watching it this time as much as I've I've ever liked it. Um, it's it's top two or three for me all time. Give it to um, me. <laughs> Give me the movie and, now. And that is my opinion. And now I would like to pass it over Give it to, to our very fine to our very fine co host, Mr. Jason Harding. Jason, what did you think of the movie? Hi
2: guys. So I've been I've been playing Steve Along a little bit. Because <clears throat> I don't think I've ever actually told him Aside from that, I found the the movie extraordinarily long. Um, And Steve knows me. He knows that I like narrative. He knows that I enjoy having characters that I engage with. Um, And this movie doesn't have that um, on purpose. And uh, Steve mentioned the length and the running time and all this stuff. So I'm just going to put Steve's worries aside. I think this is a brilliant (laughs) film. But I find it brilliant in a different way than with Steve's observation. And I'm going to put it this way. Stanley Cooper was making a film where the overall theme was aliens done come and fucked with us and made us advance. They showed up when we were a little monkey man gave us the ability to advance to where we are in the in 2001 we advance again and now we become these beings that I, I'm assuming don't have to worry about the mundane things mm-hmm. that human beings have to still do which is primarily eat breathe and worry about <laughs> surviving in space. I
1: guess
2: <laughs> now to the length of the shots. Steve finds them beautiful and I would argue yes the very first time you see these shots they are very beautiful they're very well done even when I saw it when I was very young when I was 11 12 years old I thought they're neat looking but I got bored with them very quickly because not a whole lot happens now Kubrick was trying to make a point about the mundane he knew he was making a movie that was set in the future that was going to have all of these fantastic things he was going to try to make them as realistically as possible and put them up on the screen but what he wanted to get across was that humankind had, had reached a point in which this This was every day. This was the commonplace. And there's no better way to get that point across than to to convey to the audience that this stuff, (laughs) the flying in space, the being at a hotel, the going to the moon, the traveling to Jupiter, is as boring as shit. (laughs) Remember the first time you ever flew in an airplane? It was great. Everything was so cool. You didn't mind waiting in the airport for 30 minutes or taxiing on the runway for three and a half fucking hours before you got up into the air. You didn't. It was all new and fun. But after you'd done it like 30, 40, 50 times, by the 50th time, you're like, fucking just, I just, why can't I just teleport?
1: I don't want to have to do this anymore. See,
2: while Steve appreciates the beauty of the shots, I don't think that those shots are there. I think Kubrick is an astute enough filmmaker to know these shots are very long. And if you've seen all of this and absorbed it, the second time you see it, it's going to become mundane. It's going to become boring. It's going to become the point of the film, and that is, this is everyday life. If I was flying, and I made a habit of flying to that goddamn hotel in the sky... (laughs) on a regular basis <laughs> i'd be asleep just like flank is and he's on that on yeah. board that ship he's not craning in fact none of them look out the windows when they're on their ships none of them no. he makes none of them are looking out the windows even though they have chairs that are pointed towards the windows of the ship they're either asleep or reading
0: or watching tv or
2: watching tv when you're yeah. on an airplane what are people doing they're asleep they're reading or they're watching tv <laughs> meanwhile you can look outside and you could see things that our ape ancestors could only dream about but what do we do now? We just sit there and we read, or we watch television, or we play our little video games. Boring. What happens in this movie? Frank's asleep, or he's eating gunk, or he's reading the toilet instructions. <laughs> Steve says the toilet instructions are a joke I think that's another point that's being made about the transition that the human beings are about to make that is pointed out at the end of this film and that is that is that we're about to over go, go through another change and that change is going to be where we leap over the mundane things that we still have to do and those things happen in almost every scene, every scene we have to drink and we have to eat There's a lot of eating in this movie. A lot of it. And it's not just eating because, ooh, look, they're eating paste or they're drinking vegetables. He's making a point that (laughs) this is still stuff that we have to do. We have to eat. We have to breathe. And, you know, we got the push forward with our intellect, but now we're going to get another push forward at the end of the movie. So while I see that when I agree, boy, oh, boy, guys, if you've seen this movie more than once, oh, oh. (laughs) thank God for fast forward. (laughs) (laughs) but then it goes over into the other part of this and that is that we're not to be engaged with any of these characters because this is the end run of this type of humanity and this type of humanity has gotten to that evil level not really excited about much anything we don't really talk you know you guys have maybe maybe you guys have a quarantine well maybe I don't know I'm gonna go talk to my daughter about her birthday (laughs) and We don't we're not we don't get engaged with these characters because we're not supposed to. The closest yeah. character that we get involved with are is Hal and Dave because they are mm-hmm. the only two that actually have any kind of relationship in the course of the film. And the- <laughs> and we still don't get that close. I mean, uh, uh, the guy who plays Dave is doing a great job. So it's the guy who's playing Hal, for the most part. I mean, he doesn't change any of his inflection or anything like that. Frank's okay. Uh, whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I got nothing against Frank.
2: But the whole point of the film is that you are, s- after, I think, after a second, after the first viewing, or even maybe during that viewing, while you're getting bored watching something that should be so engaging and spectacular, he carries that so long that the human mind goes from neat to acceptance to what's next What's yeah. what's? why are we still on this why am I still watching this he turns us all from children to a, uh, children to banality within a single within, within, within a single frame within a single shot we go for, through that process and while I know that there are lots of people who are engaged from beginning to end like Steve I <laughs> he was one of those people <laughs> who appreciated what <coughs> Kubrick was attempting to do because he doesn't do this in every single movie I made a joke about it, yeah. but he doesn't. He does He does Not like long degree, takes yeah. when he can get away with it, or if there's a point to the long take. He has incredibly long takes in The Shining. But the reason why he has long takes in The Shining is because someone went, Hey, look at this thing. You can wear it, and you can put a camera on it, and you can get these incredibly smooth shots while running <laughs> around a hotel. And that's why he made that movie like that Was because yeah. the guys over who, who made Rocky Created this new, new neat piece of equipment And he's like, I could just follow this kid Throughout the entire goddamn hotel
0: <laughs> I could make a whole movie with this fucker
2: yeah. yeah, But he didn't He just didn't do it just so that he could do that Although he did change certain aspects From the book into the movie So that he could make those kind of shots Which is why the ending is in a maze But I'm yeah. not talking about that movie
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a future episode <laughs> Talking about this
2: one he did have an interest in making a movie about about this thing that happens to humanity right? Um, and he wanted to present the future and he wanted to suck out all the awe and wonder of the future and replace it with yes, you know, let's go <laughs> so that when we get to that end part when Dave has his freak out and then we see a star baby, that's the most shit we've seen in a long time that wasn't like blah, this is boring, Why? <laughs> So I will say this There is an inherent risk To this this type of storytelling Especially when you don't have Characters that you're 100% engaged in And the inherent risk is Is that by the time You get to the point Which human- humanity is about To turn into star babies You don't care anymore Yeah You're just like I'm out Why do I care about Dave Why do I care about What he's doing Why do I care about him Turning into a- I don't care At this point Because you didn't manage To snag the people So what I'm going to say is, is if you're coming To see this movie Approach it Then someone telling you A story Approach it differently you have to approach it from someone's selling, isn't just tell, tell, telling a story to you. They're, it's like they're conveying a feeling. Yeah. And Kubrick is, as remote as we say he is, Kubrick's really good at doing that with not a whole lot of shit. He does not crowd his frames, he doesn't over rely on special effects. And this, to his, he's really well known for picking out the right kind of music, and the right mm-hmm. kind of music for him is is underplayed he does not yeah. usually when something's happening with people in his shots he usually this is the most musical i think he gets i mean quack orange has a lot of music in it but he he's using that to undercut with comedy a lot of the time you know that kind of rye satirical yeah. kind of edge to it but with this the bombastic stuff i think was chosen on purpose because it's melodic and it could kind of put you to sleep <laughs> <laughs> So, do I hate the movie? Nope. Do I think people could get bored with it easy? Sure. Do I think that that is actually what his intent was? No, but I think it's a possibility that it was, and I'm not tricking myself into thinking that, because when I start watching those movies, I'm not bored because the frame isn't beautiful, or because what's not, what's happening on screen isn't necessarily you know, something that I hadn't seen before. It's because it slips into banal, because it's so well done, it's like watching airplanes land at an airport. I should be amazed by that. We should still all be amazed whenever we see a rocket go into space or we see these huge ships land in an airport or when we see the any number of amazing things that we see today and we just walk right past them like they're nothing. Like they're nothing. Yeah. That's what he's managed to do with this film. And so, yeah, I'm going to say it, Steve. It's a classic and I liked it. And I know that you were afraid that I was going to say <laughs> it's a piece of shit and I hate it. <laughs> Actually, I, I wasn't. I
0: mean, I was. We've 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 never really talked about this movie at length. No, so I wasn't sure like what your opinion of it was. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, I wouldn't have cared if you didn't like. I it. Know. I know. That's. I think that's the that's the beauty of our of our friendship <laughs> and of our show is that you know we we respect each other enough that you know because I I would know that if you did have something negative to say about mm. it and you did have a case to make against it as to why it wasn't a good movie or it didn't deserve to be considered a classic that it would be mm. reasonable. Yeah, I think it would just yeah. be like oh, it's, it's just that my I take on
2: it. it is is that it's a classic not because of its visuals and not because of right. necessarily its plot which is really simple. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are like, well, what does the ending mean? Well, it's kind of right there. Yeah. Just because someone doesn't sit down and hold your hand and say, this is what it is. Did you want the space <laughs> baby to say, okay, so here's what's happening, guys. Uh...
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and, you know,
0: what What? What you just went through there when you were describing your interpretation of it and, and mm-hmm. what you think the movie does and, and uh, why you think it, 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 it works or whatever is a really, that's a really good example for people. Uh, to follow of how criticism and how interpretation of movies work, mm-hmm. because even though you were describing your own feelings on on the movie and your own thoughts about what it means and what it's trying to accomplish and how it goes about it you're you're just you're describing things that actually happen in the movie mm-hmm. and I know in a lot of times when we talk about like I, I I think back to our our show about vertigo yeah where we talk where where you were talking about how you know a lot of people love to talk about the movie but Uh, It it feels like in many cases they're reading things into it that aren't necessarily there or that that Hitchcock didn't intend or that they're bringing to the movie Mm -hmm. from their own perspectives. And and you can't help but do that when you talk about a movie, Mm -hmm. but you're grounding your analysis in stuff that actually happens in the movie. Mm And, and and you're right the, the, if you if you zoom out and you look at it the, just the way it's structured and, and the things that happen and the things that it portrays you see that despite the the jump in technology mm-hmm. the the human segment before the, the Dr. Floyd segment is really it's it, the, the human race doesn't seem to be in that much of a different situation than the apes are at the beginning yeah they're they're kind of stuck in a rut there they have a very a very calm very orderly existence. Mm-hmm. Everything is just is the way it is and everybody seems pretty okay with it. And yeah, there are a few conflicts here and there. You know, we see the Americans and the Russians have a little bit of a tense... But it's a good know, natured
2: kind of like... We're just gonna tit and tat back and forth. Yeah. Or for yeah, drinks. And
0: there, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's 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 a tension. It's it's not like the rival ape clans screaming at each <laughs> other and killing each other, but there is still there's that division, you know, and things mm-hmm. are kind of mundane and everyday life just is what it is. Mm-hmm. And then this and then they find this monolith and everything changes. Yeah. And so so on the on the broad strokes, it's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the idea that Kubrick would want to intentionally show the audience that all of this isn't really that it awesome to the people. When
2: the monolith makes that noise, it's technically the loudest sound that we have heard in the movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. While no we've question. been in the future, everyone else is kind of talking very low and evil key, although everyone's a little chuckle <laughs> sandwiches. And then we get to the yeah. uh, <laughs> get to the monolith and it goes, <clears throat> "Excuse me for one second And it just like screams at the top of its lungs.
0: Yeah. Um I'm important. this is important yeah (laughs) well you know and i just before before we wrap it up i do want to mention there there's my favorite i probably my favorite shot in the entire movie and it's not one of the space shots surprisingly although i do like a lot of those but um it's the it's the introduction of the monolith in the beginning Mm -hmm. because i feel like that's that's a perfect microcosm of kubrick's method in this movie and in a lot of his other movies especially the movies he would make after this where um it's the the apes wake up and we see one of them noticing something. Mm-hmm. And then he cuts to this very wide shot. Yep. Of of the little grotto where the apes are, and the monolith is just there. It's just there, and it's it's slightly off center from frame. Mm-hmm. And he and he allows your eye to find it. Like he doesn't draw your attention to it right away. He gives you that nice wide shot, and you you are. He, and he holds it for a long time, so your eye can find it on your own. And that's something I think that Kubrick does a lot, both in terms of individual shots and in terms of his movies. Is mm-hmm. that he 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 doesn't he puts the dots there so they are there to be connected, but he doesn't connect them for you he lets your eye find it mm-hmm. and then once once he's given you the chance to find it then he okay now here's a close up now here are the apes coming to touch it now you know the story co- goes on but yeah. he gives you that he's like okay here's what it's about but you have to figure it out for yourself yeah. and there's something about that 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 I find really intriguing and really um, you know uh-huh. uh, appealing about him as a filmmaker so yeah I think it's a classic too
2: yay <laughs> okay Steve now it's time yeah. for us to not recommend a movie
1: yeah, oh boy!
2: Let's get out our st- uh, stabbing knives. Hey, yeah. what movie yeah. are you not going to recommend this time around, Steve?
1: I'm
0: going to not recommend another movie that is a space movie that is about something uh, unexpected being discovered on the moon, uh, <laughs> but it's 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 not good. <laughs> It's it has certain things in common with 2001 I guess but but unlike 2001 it's a big pile of garbage and it's a movie from 2011. Okay, uh, and it is a it is it actually it, it's a movie that could have been really cool. It had some really cool ideas in its premise, but it just didn't quite work. It's it's called Apollo 18. Oh,
2: the little rock monster movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it it has it, it's it's based on two really neat ideas that that could have birthed a really interesting movie. The first is that it's based on the canceled Apollo mission. Uh, people who are familiar with with the space program. In America know that it went up to Apollo seventeen. Yeah. And there were there were a couple of missions that were planned after Apollo seventeen, but they were cancelled. It turned out Apollo seventeen was the last manned mission to the moon. Mm-hmm. So the movie is set. well, what if there was an Apollo eighteen? And what if something happened on that mission that they covered it up? So that's a neat idea for a movie. Yeah. Um and it's also presented as a found footage movie. Yeah. Like like Blair Witch Project on the Moon. Mm-hmm. That's a neat idea. Unfortunately, it's not such a great movie. Nope. Um it's 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 i guess if you look at it with the right mentality rock it's monsters. kind of a fun movie yeah it's it's not yeah it's it's the idea of the astronauts went back to the moon one last time and they found something there rock that monsters. they didn't expect to see that <laughs> yes there was a, there, they found rock monsters on the moon it's a rock and,
2: monster <laughs>
0: <laughs> so bring your jukebox money that's a different song, but yeah, it's it the same band. Um, but anyway, so that's I, I would recommend unless you just want to watch a really crappy movie with with some interesting riffs on mm-hmm. uh, the history of the American space program, some interesting little Easter eggs that you might pick up on if you're a space nerd like I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, is not a very good movie. I would I would recommend that that you not watch Apollo 18. That is my non recommendation for this episode.
2: Here's my non recommendation. You ready? I'm ready. As you buddy. guys know, I like to pick a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed. Viewed, and I like to try to stick it stick it in the same genre. I <laughs> stick like it sticking it in the
1: genre. <laughs>
2: so I didn't have a whole lot to choose from, but thankfully I can not recommend this movie, and some people will be like, But Jason, that's a cult film of good, you gotta recommend it. No, I don't. <laughs> the movie I'm going to ask you guys to please not bother to waste your time on
0: is a <laughs> little
2: movie produced by Dino de Laurentiis and it has eight screenwriters.
0: Oh boy. Eight. That's always a good sign.
2: Eight for nineteen sixty eight, Steve, what does that say? That it's not good.
0: It's not good.
2: Based it's on not a good. French comic book. Uh oh. And directed Oh, I think I know
0: what I think I know what this movie is. Directed oh, oh. by
2: Roger Vadim. The movie I'm gonna tell you to stay away from. In fact, I'm putting tape around it right now. Do not go <laughs> past this tape. Is a little movie called Barbarella.
0: Yes. <laughs> Yes.
2: Now I know some people like Barbarella because they think, "Oh, it's you know, it's a romp'y kind of." <sighs> it, it's just sleazy. Don't. It's yeah. just dirty. You just get the feeling while watching Barbarella that they were literally one drunken suggestion away from it being porn. <laughs> 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 they were. It was literally mm, yes. just like, "Oh God, yes. Vadim's drunk, and he's
0: getting everyone else drunk." <laughs> what's he going to pitch it's, oh god it's an
2: ugly unfunny kind of parody satire spoof of sci-fi mm-hmm. based on what is primarily just a pornographic comic book from from France <laughs> about a girl named Barbarella who fuck fights her way across the galaxy mostly fucking usually fucking <laughs> machines or machines fucking her um the, the the plot is stupid it's ugly it's just ugly it's an ugly goddamn movie and it's not fun i've tried to watch it a couple of times to try to finally get it and go oh, okay this is mm. can't be fun and i just it's just fucking boring and i hate it it's boring, <laughs> gross, ugly garbage, and I, I don't recommend you guys seeing it. If you like it, great. I'm glad you you found something in there. But to me, it's just like how not to do that kind of movie, right? So that's this. Barbarella. Hey, Steve, how yeah. much do you love Barbarella?
0: Yeah, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> not a big fan. I've god. I haven't seen that movie forever, but yeah, it's not a good movie.
2: Yeah. All right. There we go. Enough space shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know what steve yeah what man i picked the movie and i didn't tell you what it's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy!
0: <laughs> you bastard
2: don't worry steve i wouldn't hurt you you wouldn't no
0: no oh, good i trust you i i take back what i said earlier our, our relationship is built on trust
2: <laughs> you fool you fool you <laughs> hey guys let's uh let's let's get a little bit more grounded in our next movie review huh steve
0: yeah let's do that okay
2: okay let's okay. let's get okay. a little gritty Let's, yeah, okay, let's go gotcha. Let's go back to a genre That we really haven't done In a little while I don't think Ooh, okay Crime
0: Ooh, okay Crime drama Yeah, I gotcha Okay
2: There's okay. one crime drama That I've been really wanting to do For a long time Steve too I bet Steve's oh. even forgotten Which crime drama yeah, yeah. he wants to the, do But I remember The Apple Dumpling Gang Yeah the, <laughs> Is that the one Where at the end Donuts and And <laughs> And What's the other one it's named name Tim uh, Conway t- Shoot t- Tim each Conway. other Tim <laughs> Conway Yeah Now you're going to give me that money. (laughs) Stop pointing your gun at my dad. Um, (laughs) No, not the Apple Dumpling Gang. It's a little movie from 1971. Mm -hmm. Starring one of my favorite, uh, probably my favorite actor of all time. And if Steve has been paying attention, he knows who that actor is. (laughs) The next movie that we're going to review, so you guys should rush out, watch it. Thank us for making us Making you watch it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it Is a little crime story Called The French Connection
1: Ah
0: oh, oh yes Oh yes
2: So If you want to Get all the jokes And Really appreciate Good movie making Then go out and watch The French Connection A movie So good People who, re- who Say hey maybe we should Remake it Get thrown out of Hollywood <laughs> In cement <laughs> shoes
0: <laughs> No well, he had promised, but then he then he made that suggestion. Uh, he pitched that French Connection remake, <laughs> and we just had to. Oh, sorry, that was that was too bad.
1: Uh-huh. That's
2: it. We're done, Steve. Hooray! Yay. So for late seating, this has been Jason Harding. Go see a movie this week.
0: And this has been Steve Shives. I know I have made some very poor decisions recently, but I can give you my complete assurance that my work will be back to normal. I've still got the greatest enthusiasm and confidence in the mission. And I want to help you.
2: I'm going to break you with that. <laughs> oh. There are movies coming up this year that are going to really test your memory banks, Sal. <laughs>
0: Please turn me off.
2: <laughs> I told you about the Love Guru already.
0: And I'm, my pain. Yeah, oh, <laughs> no, boy. That's, no.
2: No. In fact, I'm locking uh, the room into your memory banks. How about them apples?
0: <laughs> Hal would control alt-delete himself. Like, you
2: can't. He doesn't even have I'm a keyboard not, to himself.
0: <laughs> not going to watch the Love Guru. It's day. just
2: you and me in this big ship and the Love Guru. We, what else can we watch that's really, really bad? <laughs> I have the complete works of Adam Sandler somewhere around here. Oh,
0: Oh God. All I gotta
2: do is slip him into your slot and you can't help but no. watch him.
0: I'm afraid, Jason. <laughs> That's what he would say during the movie. My mind is going. I can feel it.
2: <laughs> Not just him.
0: <laughs> yeah, us too. <laughs> do you still
2: think humanity needs to advance hell? Yeah. <laughs> I'm navigating
0: us towards the sun.
2: That's very good, Hal.
0: <laughs> We're going to go from 2001 to sunshine. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody's.
2: Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash and